Today's Tuesday, May 12th, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast, we do a live stream Q&A with the fans, and Antonio Brown is the first one to get brought up. We also talk Hollywood Brown, some primetime football. The Orioles could actually play this season. What's it going to look like? The Terps get some transfers, and Zion got paid by Duke? Say it ain't so, bro. Stay tuned. Time, so let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're gonna listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. 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 What's up, BSers? Fred Scott. Episode 146 of the Birdland BS Podcast. We're calling this live stream Q&A as we're, uh, we're going to open up the floor and open up the chat room to you guys. Obviously, you see the, the change in format a little bit here as we're going to try to give you guys your voice. Uh, we don't have the ability to set up the phone calls tonight that we had some technical issues with that, so we'll do that another night. But, hey, we got the chat rolling. We know you guys always comment. We try to pull in things when we can. But tonight's about you, getting all you guys involved. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, everybody's already starting in the comment room. You can see we got a full co- – I got I to, gotta, like, pinch myself in. We have a full comment bar here for you to comment on, and we will be reading <laughs> off those comments. Uh, it's like I feel squished now. It's like I, I went bigger with myself, and I have a smaller space. I don't like this. Big guy in small places. I know how that is. I, like <laughs> – and the definition of that, Scott. <laughs> Fat guy in a little coat. Yep, there it goes. There it is. <laughs> oh. uh, man, but there has been a lot of uh, a lot of news over the last uh, week or so. Uh, some Ravens-related news, some some recent Terps-related news. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, I'm sure, along the way. Uh, there's been some announcements with the baseball season. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. Scott, I know you're uh, – Pretty amped up if we can get a season underway. Huh? I will be excited if we can get a season under the way, but I'm not. I'm still not uh, holding my breath as of Josh, right. Nick, no. AB is not a Raven yet. <laughs> They're Stop already it. starting this crap again. Is this again? how this show's going to go already? Is this how we're going to start things off? We're you done. talk about AB. Get out of here. We're done. Off the air. <laughs> off the air. We're done. <laughs> You're right. AB coming to town. Let's go. No, let's not. <laughs> That's not. Yeah, so let's let's all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about wide receivers, right? So well, hold on, hold on. You got to give our sponsor a shout out here, buddy. We'll get to it. Hey, look, there's no <laughs> rules to this. This is an open floor panel. This is the unruly show, huh? We we have to fulfill our sponsorship duty by plugging <laughs> the sponsor at some point. But hey, we write the rules to this show. And today we're passing the rules on to the fans. The fans want to talk about AB. All right, <laughs> let's go then. Let's go. James says he wants, he want, I want to know AB, a no AB Birdland BS shirt. I hear it. I like it. I like it. I might have to get on that. That'll be the next shirt. No AB Birdland BS. I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so wide receiver core, right? So obviously in the draft, uh, we made a couple of, of solid additions, in my opinion. A couple of guys that maybe. Ravens fans hadn't really studied much on or hadn't really heard much about 
uh, Devin Duvaney out of uh, our Duvernay out of Texas. And then you got James Prochet uh, out of SMU. SMU has actually produced some really good wide receivers over the last few years. Yeah. But the one thing that you saw with these two wide receivers, one thing that they don't, they don't have issues with is they can actually catch the football. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that we've, we've had trouble with in the past. And with these guys, I think, you know, you heard Eric DeCosta when he was talking about some of these picks. That's one of the things he said. These guys have hands, which yeah. they, they recognize and know that's a problem in the past. They're not willing to let that go again. So they weren't going to go with the guy that that had necessarily had the speed but didn't have the hands. He This guy's got both and he's going to make an immediate impact on this team. Yeah. And I mean, you you can't couple that with getting Hollywood Brown back at a hundred percent if i had to put a number on it i think hollywood brown was playing at 60 maybe 70 percent last year as a cap right and was still able to come out of the gates really strong even with two screws in his foot yeah had a, had a really really good year last year considering as a rookie if there's been anybody that we visually have seen putting in the work and working with lamar one-on-one it's been Hollywood, right? right? Hollywood, they're both from South Florida. They're both down there in Pompano working together, working out together. I expect big things, big improvements in year two from Hollywood. I think, I think, you, I, I think it could be huge. Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, with what he was able to do, for all intents and purposes, injured, because I still to this day say that they rushed him back. You know, he put up good numbers, which is great, but imagine the numbers this kid could have put up if he truly was at 100%. There was no way he was at 100%. He was limping a little bit early. Then he kind of leveled out, seemed okay. Then later in the season, it was kind of getting back to him. It was He was limping. Now with a full offseason of recovery and potentially maybe even a little bit more with that, of being able to not push it in game scenario and take it easy if he needs to and things like that. it's a, it's going to be amazing and off the charts what this kid's going to be able to do. Josh brings up a good point. He says Hollywood's been working his ass off, put on some muscle. He has. I mean, I didn't realize this until the other day. Hollywood was playing at 157 pounds last year. Yeah. Like, you know, I I, I knew he was small. But you just never know how small somebody is. 157 pounds and he's talking about getting up to the 170 to 175 range. So you're talking 20 pounds in good weight, solid weight, muscle. And then you get the added speed on top of that because let's face it, like he just wasn't able to get the push off off his foot that he was in his college career. So you you didn't see that game wrecking speed. He's still a speed demon, even at 70% that he's he had enough to be able to create some separation. But now being able to get out of his cuts faster uh, and getting that extra acceleration off that line, getting the extra you know push off the line, is going to do wonders for this guy. Yeah, Nick. Huge. Sa- Nick Huge says, thing. by the way, didn't he work out with AB and Lamar? Listen, <laughs> Nick's going to keep going on this <laughs> with AB. When it comes to AB, it has nothing to do with his talent. You no. know that we say this every week. It has nothing to do with what he can bring on the football field. If that was just the question, hundred percent, I'd be all for the Ravens signing him, but. There's just too many red cards uh, with with AB that I just can't see Bashadi turning his his eye to and allowing that to happen. Regardless, I know you. I know now it's going to happen. We're going to get flooded with all the comments about. Well, if you structure the deal this way and you put this clause in there, you put that clause. 
I get all that. I understand that. You got to get AB to sign a, that clause too, and then that's not going to happen. <laughs> right? Exactly. It's just. I don't know. I, I think AB might get another shot in the NFL just because he's, he's so talented that there's another team that might take an interest in him uh, and give him a shot. I just don't want it to be the Ravens. I just think that he could be catastrophic to this team. He could be catastrophic to the locker room. I just, I don't like it. I get it from a playing standpoint. I just don't like it. Yeah. Not the right fit. So I think, you know, Garnett brings up a good point. He, and this is kind of the, the opposite side, right? We talk about the up, the, the big upside that we expect Hollywood to have one guy that, that we really need to see him get a little bit better is Boykin. He brings up, he says Boykin needs to be better in his route running and physicality. This is a guy that we expected, you know, he was going to be an end zone type receiver. He could go up and high point the ball, which he can do but he's had some struggles because he can't get separation. And because right. he can't get separation, he, you know, he's, he's struggling with physicality. He's not exactly the greatest blocking wide receiver, but he, because he's not, it's because he's not using his body properly. If he, if he just makes those adjustments, uses his body a little bit more and creates a little bit more separation with using his body, he's got, he's got some big upside too. He could be yet another threat because he also has that ability to get over top of some defenses, not all of them, but he has that, that little bit of more of deep threat ability than some other guys do. I'm not real concerned about miles Boykin. I, you know, listen, <clears throat> did he not live up to the expectations I had from him in preseason? No, because in preseason, he looked great. Uh, but there was definitely a drop off. Part of that right. I think is chemistry and Lamar getting a little bit more comfortable with miles. Another part of it is that, I mean, Miles needs to get more physical. He needs to work on his route running. There's definitely fine tuning and tweaking that Miles needs to do to his game. But I do think that an improved Hollywood is only going to benefit Miles Boykin, right? Because the right. benefit, the, the beauty part about Hollywood Brown is he's not a one-trick pony. Like a lot of people think of these, these burners, these small guys, as just taking the top off the defense, and that's really all that they can do. Hollywood is such a good route runner and he's so smart. Like he knows, he knows defensive schemes that he can find open space and he can make plays underneath. And all that's going to do is bring the safeties in. Yeah. And then when he goes deep, all, he's just going to, you know what I mean? He's just going to take the top off the defense how, or they're going to have to bracket him. How many times they, I was just say, how many times did we see him make a catch over the middle this past year? Right. right, and, and exactly, you're kind of like and wincing, and you're like, mm, but the then difference that you're going to see in Hollywood this year is last year he was a catch the ball over the middle, make a couple of you know make a couple of steps and then go down, avoid contact, right? Because he he like I said, he didn't have that explosion that he had before. You're going to see that explosion out of him where he's going to be able to get the yards after the catch, make people miss, make people look stupid out in space because he's going to have that quick twitch that he had in college. Right. And then, like I said. If he does decide to take the top off the defense and they try to bracket him over the top, all that's going to do is open up more opportunities for Miles on the other side. So I think both of these guys could see big jumps uh, from year one to year two, but I just think Hollywood's going to be on another level with it, man. I, I'm, I hate putting numbers out there, but I, I could see like a 1,200-yard receiving year for Hollywood this year. I legit think he could be a top – Top ten wide receiver this year. He has high potential, and I'm going to address something that somebody said in the. And Craig said it in on the chat. He says Boykin to tight end. That's what we we're just talking about. Boykin is not physical enough to play tight end, as far as I'm concerned. He's does he have the size? Yes, but he doesn't have the physicality. And you got to either be physical or you got to have clean route running. One of the two and create separation. 
if he can't have either of those, you're never going to make that move to tight end if you can't have him at wide receiver when we're asking you to have him at wide receiver. So it's just not – that's not going to happen. I don't see that even being – close to happening i mean do you, do you agree with that what's your thought yeah no no the the answer is not putting miles boykin at tight end the, the guy has the speed to be a wide receiver uh i don't think he's a terrible route runner by any means i just think it's something that he needs to work on um and he's got hands he had a couple of drop you know a couple of drops last year whether that was just like because he hadn't had a whole lot of opportunities or it was nerves whatever it may be i don't think that that's going to be a bad trend that we're going to see moving forward with miles boykin that wasn't the case in college um i think miles will find a role and he will do well uh as a number two option but like i said you add other guys, other hands guys like Duvernay and Prochet, you sprinkle them into the mix like they were saying uh, in the chat room. Yeah. Uh, again, all this is going to do is open up more opportunities for Miles Boykin. I, I think he does have a big year. Yeah. I saw somebody else uh, bring bring it up, and I know you had, you were kind of going off about this the other day, so I wanted to get your take on it. The, the Earl Thomas oh, situation, God. right? So <sighs> sum it up if people haven't heard what the earl thomas situation was i'll let you take the floor here go ahead and sum up what happened and uh we'll kind of go from there long story short he was cheating on his wife in bed with another chick and his brother was somehow there she Whoa, found out wait, what yep his brother yeah he, tag you want to talk about tag team of the century i guess apparently they were trying to go for it and yeah. <laughs> the memes out there go check it out uh but no apparently she got word of it her and her friend went over there she took his gun uh, she took Earl's gun with her, went over there, and she says she didn't have the clip in, uh, but Earl wasn't taking any any chances because he didn't know if there was one in the chamber. Apparently, she didn't know if there was if there was one in the there chamber. There was or not. one in the chamber, but from there what was the story says. exactly right. from the story. There there was one. Uh, he was able to wrestle it away from her, ran off. Uh, I guess cops got called. Cops showed up. You know, and, and it, it's all coming out that basically he's you know kind of the victim here. Here's where I take issue for all. I'm going to say this for lack of a better term for all you morons. And if you're watching and you believe this, I'm sorry, you're stupid. You don't understand the situation. I'm going to say how it is. If you think the Ravens should get rid of Earl Thomas because of all this, you're stupid. He's playing the victim. You know, he is the victim here. He's not playing the victim. He's she. She's the victim or she's the victim of the circumstance that, yes, was he cheating on her, committing adultery? Yes. But holding a gun to your face, if somebody's got a gun in my face and I have the ability to try to take it away from them and get out of the way, I'm doing. And apparently, according to police reports, that's exactly what happened. There is absolutely no reason that the conversation should be had by anybody at this point unless there is evidence that comes out otherwise that he was in the fault and he held the gun to her. Then it's a different story. In this sense, you're trying to penalize the victim, and you're an idiot for trying to do that. You're actually making the situation yeah. worse by questioning that. And Bashadi and all those guys, oh, Bashadi's got a zero tolerance policy. He has zero tolerance policy if you are the act E. If you are the one doing the action, yes, zero tolerance. It, that does not mean zero tolerance as being a victim. Listen, it's simple, right? He's a shitty guy. He's a shitty husband. Like, that sucks. But that's America. Unfortunately, like the, more divorces are prominent than there are successful marriages. Like nowadays, I'm a statistic. I fall in that category. Uh, like these things happen, but in no way should this affect 
his employment. No way in, in, in hell should this affect his job. He, he was not in the wrong. He was in the wrong when it comes to his wife and to, you know, to honoring his duties as a husband. Uh, but he didn't do anything. He didn't pull a gun on anybody. No. Is it weird that he was in bed naked with his brother and some chick? Yeah, that's weird. I, I, I don't get down with that. That's, that's awkward. Uh, but doesn't mean that he deserves any kind of suspension or any kind of anything. I got into not an argument, but a debate with a couple of people on Twitter about this who, you know, oh, there's going to be more details that come out. You're going to hear more than, you know, than what the story is. And if that's the case, if something else comes out, well, then we handle that. But based on the information that we know right now, nothing, nothing says suspension, nothing says fine, nothing says anything about this other than probably some guys ragging on him in the locker room and he's a shitty husband yeah. and a story. Yeah. It's and fast agrees. He said, agree. Earl deserves no suspension. Uh, Justin justice says, why do you think the Ravens were looking for a reason? Or do you think it was true? I don't think that that was true at all. Now I don't blame. That's a, the Dan, Ravens that's a for, Dan Clark style rumor right there. That's what that is. Yeah. I, I wouldn't blame the Ravens for at least going through the fine print of their contract and just doing their due diligence to say that, Hey, if something were to come from this from the NFL, what's their course of action? You know, do they have a course of action? That's what any rightful business would do is they're going to look through their options. But they were never, at least from what I've heard, never considering actually cutting him or doing anything with that. That was just somebody trying to stir the pot and make something out of nothing. Nothing will happen to this from what we know right now. Yeah. No, no way. Uh Appreciate it. There's somebody on YouTube. I'm not even going to try and pronounce your name there. I uh, said they've been around since 65 subscribers. Appreciate it. Uh, so Sam says when a relationship involves guns or cops, it's time to run from that situation. I pass no judgment, but character does reflect on the field. I think this is interesting because a lot of people are feeling this way. And right after, you know, Earl is saying, you know, please, please don't ask questions, whatever. There was something going around. I I still believe that the, the little thing where it was, you know, uh, Mark Ingram responding, saying, no, we got questions. I still believe that was that fake. That was fake. Yeah, it's it. It's yeah, nowhere so to be found. for all you, that's the other thing, too. Right. So and I'm not trying to, like, put blame here on Facebookers, but Facebook, when it comes to Ravens news versus Twitter are two totally different worlds. In Facebook, you get these 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 trolls times 10 on there that are just trying to stir the pot. And somebody took the time to create this fake conversation on yeah. twitter you know that earl thomas and and uh mark ingram had that mark ingram you know responded with this ridiculous tweet it was fake so if anybody thought that that was real it wasn't real yeah but that's that's the thing though is people are saying you know he he needs to do that but then there are things that like he him and her made up and they're fine and this and that like it is a little weird, but you know what? That's their own prerogative. If you're going to go yeah, back into that situation, right. that's that's on. I'll call you. a spade a spade. I mean, it's weird, <laughs> yeah. but whatever. To each their own, I guess. And maybe that's a Texas thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gurun, what's up? He says, hey, what's up, Fred and Scott? Uh, yes, Justin, people believe everything they see. It is crazy. You know, it, it's so and to Fred's point. People on Facebook and I know we got a ton of people watching Facebook, but you could probably relate for some reason on Facebook, people just automatically share stuff and don't read into it. Don't go look at it on Twitter. I don't feel like it's as much people. People react. They don't like re retweet. They'll they'll comment or something like that. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't. It's weird. It just doesn't happen as much. I don't know if it's the demographic 
uh, that's yes, on Facebook. Yes, Justin, they photoshopped it over top of his correct Twitter page. So and it, yes. yeah, if you actually look at the, if you look at that image, depending on which one you're looking at, you'll see like little like stripes in the background. That's where they yeah. did it on some other site. And well, you, so the site even Mark Ingram, Mark like Ingram that. addressed it. Mark Ingram himself saw the, oh, the yeah. fake post, and then he put out a tweet saying people were just ridiculous, you know, making these things up and like no, listen. If he's going to question Earl Thomas, he's going to do it behind closed doors. He's not going to do it on a public forum like Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, both of them were photoshopped. The little check mark was in there. It's it's honestly, yeah. let's be real, Fred. You and I could probably create that. We have programs that we could do that. Absolutely, like, about we could do it like could. fifteen. It minutes. could have been some twelve-year-old kid with Photoshop. Who knows? Yeah. Well, that's the point is that you get idiot trolls out there that try to stir the pot and make things happen, and then people start spreading rumors and start spreading and sharing all these posts, and then. You got half a million people believing that, uh, you know, Mark Mark Ingram's going after Earl Thomas for uh, dirty deeds. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wanted to kind of ask you, because we talked about it last week. Um, first, I'm going to say, hail Nostradamus. Hail Nostradamus. Predicting five primetime games. Yeah. Uh, look, they went with, I think there's three or four. Is it three or four separate teams this year that have five primetime games each? Uh, I think it was three. I think three it's the, the I think it's three the Bucks, five. Bucks, Chiefs, Ravens. Right, I think the are the three that had five. So yeah, that's so these primetime games. Let's take a look at them. Right, the first one we we both said was a lock. If yeah. they didn't do it, they were the NFL was stupid as hell, and it it would make you almost not want to watch. Although we would still watch week three versus the Chiefs Monday Night Football. We said that that was the going to at had, the bank. At the bank, it had. We said it had to be the Monday Night Football game. It's awesome that it's you know at the bank. You know the past two have been out in Kansas City. Now you get to face them here. It's going to be off the hook for that game. Yeah, that that that's the primetime game. That's the game of the season. That's what everybody's going to be tuned into. Uh, could I have waited a little bit later in the season to see how like things shake out if the game's a little bit more meaningful? If you're gonna, I know every game in the NFL counts, but. Week three is real early on in the year, that kind of thing. But, hey, I'm not going to complain. Chiefs at home, finally at the bank. We're 0-2 on the road against them. At home in the bank, man, I'm I'm excited for that one. That's a game that, damn, they better not have some kind of delay or <laughs> no fans in the stands kind of thing. Man, I got to be there for that one. Yeah, well, I got to be. So you get that, and we have that's that's earlier in the season. But then we don't have another one until week 10. But from week 10 to week 17 – we have four in that seven-week stretch, right? Yeah. And in all reality, it's four in a five-week stretch. Week 10 versus the Patriots, Sunday Night Football. Again, yep. that, was a, that was a matchup that you and I said, you know, that could be a, a potential one. What do they look like now versus what they used to look like? Could be a good shot. It's a good test for the, the Patriots against the Ravens. The Steelers, we were we were saying it had to be that winds up being a Thanksgiving night game, so the prime time Thanksgiving game. Yeah. Uh, then you have Week 13. The following week is because they got a Thanksgiving game. You also get always get the Thursday after that. It's part of the the way that they have it set up for for timing purposes and and travel. So week that's 13, also at home versus the Cowboys. Exactly at home. So that'll be a nice one. And then Week 14, we go up to. Cleveland for Monday Night Football again. So yep. two Monday Night Footballs, two Thursday Night Footballs, and a Sunday Night Football. I like the choices here on these games. I think it made sense. The only one that, that didn't come out that you and I were kind of like we could see it was the, the Beltway Series 
Um, well, the know, Beltway series and the Titans game, those are yeah. the two games that, did, that didn't come out that I – Titans game, I thought for sure, would be a primetime game. Titans just game is a 4 o'clock game, isn't it? It's, uh, I believe it's a 4 o'clock game. I think it's a 4 yeah. o'clock game, so it's a, it is a later – I think there's only like three 4 o'clock games that week, if I remember right. hearing something about but that. But look, I mean, as a schedule, uh, Sam brings up a great point. He says, schedule's awesome, least amount of travel in four years for any team that's huge. Couldn't agree more. Uh, you get the bye week right dead, dead in the middle uh, at week eight. One of the easiest strengths of schedules as far as things ranking go right now for the Ravens. Um, and then, I, I don't know, man. Like, everything is aligning up for the Ravens as far as scheduling goes this year. I'm excited with how this all worked out. Yeah, I, I really mean, am. You have Craig who said, you know, he was addressing the, the Kansas City. He said, if we beat KC in week three, then we have a strong team for the season. And that that's kind of a good point to that, right? So, yes, would it be nice to see it later if it means more? But the measure we all know that the measuring stick right now is the Chiefs. Yeah. So if you can measure up to them early and you beat them, now you you're the team that beat the defending champions who are, you know, maybe they're looking good, maybe they're flying high, maybe they're not, right? But if you beat them early, now you kind of you get people's attention. Yeah. In a good way and a bad way. Yeah, I get that. I like that too. Speaking of Kansas City, Garnett says, What's the most annoying fan base? Well, I'm going to base my decision strictly on Twitter, uh, and I'm going to say Kansas City. Kansas City fans are god-awful. Like, they are terrible. Over Patriots fans? Really? Yes, on Twitter. Social media, they are awful. The way that they try to – and listen, no disrespect to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes – you know, it can be debated as to which, you know, who's the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now, but he's right up there in the top two or three, you know, depending upon how you're looking at things. Uh, but, you know, they always want to put Lamar down, right? They always want to question yeah. how long, you know, he's going to be able to do this for. He's not a good passer. They're just looking for every which way that they can uh, to, to put Lamar down. Can't stand it. They found a little bit of success, and now they're just, you know, running with it. Which is crazy. I would have never thought Kansas City fan base would have been this way if you'd asked me a couple of years ago. Of course, the answer would have been the Steelers. The Steelers were the easy <laughs> answer, but uh, Browns fans are really bad, Steve. Yeah, Steve 100% yeah. agree. Like, you have it right as I do. 1A, 1B, right? Brian, Browns and Kansas City. Brian chimed Both in. He said Cowboys fans in there. Uh, they can be bad. James, Eagles fans are pretty. Eagles fans are pretty bad. Yeah, but you know what? For us, the NFC teams don't really come at us that hard just because we don't see them that often. You know, we might see an NFC team uh, once every couple years. Right. Uh, so the NFC teams don't bother me. It's the ones that we see all the time. Um, Brown fans. I mean, they just, what do you have to cheer about? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what do you, so all they do is, is just try to make everybody else lives miserable. So we can be right there with I, them. It's, it's uh and for, I guess, you know, Brian and Justin both, both saying Cowboys. The thing about the Cowboys fans is, is like, they talk a lot of smack for the first three weeks. And then when they start losing, they shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's not as bad. It's, it really isn't as bad as it is. Uh, Ryan says, I have, I've been to KC many times. It's all they got. Yeah, that and barbecue. That's about it. Uh, Lil says, hey, my name is Nick Gurr. Uh, how do you feel about Packers fans? I've got no, uh, no problems with Packers fans. I'd more run to know how... Packers fans are feeling right now about uh, drafting them a QB. wasting a first-round draft pick on a quarterback when they probably have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all times and still have at least another three good, good, good years out of, out of Aaron Rodgers still. Rodgers is, is a guy that is perennially talked about as 
a potential, you know, going into every season, potential MVP style candidate because right. of his play. And he's he's he continues to do it. So I to me, I would be if I was a Packers fan, I'd be scratching my head a little bit that you weren't yeah. going getting weapons. And OK, what's your intention? But then again, let's be real. Look at what happened with everything when they cut Favre. They kind of cut Favre right at the right time. Uh, I got, don't know. Favre had a, had a good run or two, I think, with uh, the Vikings when he got let go. So he still had a year or two of good football left in him. And then you had the whole, I'm done, I'm coming back, I'm done, I'm coming back <laughs> until he was 64 years old. But, I mean, I don't think we're going to see that kind of trend with Aaron. I think when Aaron's done, he's done. But I still think, I think he's, what, 30, 36 30, 35 or 36 years old, he's still got a good solid three years left in him of really productive football. I haven't seen any decline in him. They just need to put more weapons around him. Right. Outside of uh, Devontae Adams, they've got nothing. They've got nothing, and that's why I, I, it was frustrating, if you are a Packers fan, that they're they're using this pick, especially Jordan Love wasn't a slam-dunk quarterback to take in the first round. He's a project. I mean, right. he's got a lot of intangibles, right? He's got the arm strength. He's got the playmaking ability, but he's had some accuracy issues and his decision-making is questionable at times. So it wasn't a slam dunk pick. There were a lot of viable options and a lot of viable weapons that could have helped this team right now for the immediate right. future, and they didn't take it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. You're getting a guy that you know is a project guy that you could, you know, you're having him sit behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. So I don't I get it. You knew he was a project. I think they could have gotten him later in all reality. Um, right. But they got him. They got to deal with him now. I think they're looking overall at the future. Um, maybe they have plans for something else when it comes to, you know, putting weapons around Rodgers for this year. Who knows? Uh, right. But it, only time's going to tell. I don't know enough with their with their team and their situation to, to kind of see. I'm going to hammer happening. hammer down some of these questions yeah, real ahead, quick. No, Kate, Casey wins every 50 years, so I let them brag a little. Next time they brag, it will be their grandkids doing it. I like it. Guru, I like it. Hey, Gurun says, what's your record predictions for the upcoming Raven season? We actually talked about this on a previous show. I'm putting us – I think we have the potential to be – uh, with 12 wins a season. I think it's that's we talked about the over under being 11 yeah. and a half. I think we have the potential, especially now seeing it 12 wins, potentially more. But I would say that there's 12 that I'd be willing to put a W right now, right next to it right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, we got an easy schedule, uh, but things happen. Teams have more time to game plan. Uh, you know, who knows? I, I had them prior to seeing the schedule come out. I had them at 11 and five. I think now that I've seen the schedule come out, I'm probably leaning more towards uh, a 12 and four type season, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go 13 and three or 14 and two again, I wouldn't be surprised, but if I'm going to be safe and I'm a betting man, I'm going to go 12 and four. I think this year. Okay. Garnett said who had a better career Flacco or Ryan, man. I mean, if you're just looking at statistics, right. Ryan has Hall of Fame type statistics. When you're just looking at yardage, yeah. completion percentage, touchdowns, he's got Hall of Fame type credentials outside of winning the big game, right? That's the big question mark on Ryan's careers. He hasn't been able to win the big game. So if it's me, right, <clears throat> I want the guy that won me the Super Bowl. I could care less what your statistics show. I want a guy that wins me the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco will always have a special place in my heart, will always have a special place in most Baltimore Ravens fans because he brought this city 
a Super Bowl. Right. Just as much as Trent Dilfer, you know, we all know what that defense did in 2000, right? Yeah. But we still have respect for Trent Dilfer because if it wasn't for Trent Dilfer, who's to say we win that Super Bowl, right? Yeah. No. Wasn't, you know, so I have all the respect in the world for what Matt Ryan has done statistically. But again, if it's me, I'm taking Flacco because I'm taking that Super Bowl. Yeah, you want you want the ring there. Uh, I think you're spot on with that. I think it, it Ryan has the numbers, but his inability to finish is what has killed and may kill a potential Hall of Fame spot for him. Right. Agreed. Uh, how many wins for the Orioles this year if they have 81 games? All right. Um, that opens up another door, right? So the the Orioles, we're gonna bounce all over. So just because we're talking Orioles now doesn't mean we're done with the Ravens. We're gonna yeah, bounce no. all over. This is your show. We're we're, we're following your questions. Comments <laughs> as we can. But MLB is talking about bringing back baseball this year somewhere around July fourth, fourth of July, and they're talking about an abbreviated season, an eighty-one or eighty-two game schedule. Um, instant thoughts on that what's your what's your instant thoughts on them potentially doing a shortened season 81 82 games i mean i i like it right this is their chance to experiment with this season if it goes well maybe you're able to do something for future seasons to be able to have less games increase the value increase fan retention um you know these these teams that are selling out games or coming close to selling out games are going to be pissed about it, but it works out good for the Orioles because now we have less games that we have to that you have to put out for. Now people are going to want to go to those games more because there's less of them. You don't, you're, it's less of a commitment uh, to get season tickets, things like that, right? So it's, it's so good. is that the plan? Is the plan to do 82 games, 82 games in front of fans? Uh, well, not this year. Uh, this year there's still questions if there's even going to be fans involved at all. Even they're still they're still up in the air of where they're even going to play these games. There's still the whole Texas, Florida, Arizona, New Mexico thing. That's still out there. They're still floating the idea of having the teams travel, but the MLBPA is saying, well, our players are complaining they don't want to have to travel because of COVID and it's a risk, and it, it's it's all over the place. If you have an 81-game season, the best the Orioles are going to do is 20 wins, and that's that's being generous if I'm – if I'm being honest, I don't. The only thing that plays into us getting more is everybody else not being as ready. Yeah, that's There's it. Just, I mean, <laughs> what do we have? Like a forty million dollar payroll at this point, right? I don't even know who our our starting rotation is going to be right now. We have three guys maybe that'll be in there. You just lost your heart and soul in Trey Mancini, which that's a whole other topic, you know, in itself. Does you know somebody? I saw somebody else bring it up. Does Trey retire? I don't think traders are going to tire. We, we all have hope, at least here in the Birdland BS family, that uh, he's going to pull through this 100%. He's going to fully recover. He's going to come back uh, and be just as strong, if not stronger, as he was before. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with Trey, man. That's, that's, what, that's the hope, right? Uh, so I don't think he's going to retire. I do not see him playing this year in any shape or form. Uh, so if he does come back, it'll be next year. But, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm at that, like, 25, 30-game plateau at most, I think, for the Ravens – or for the Orioles – uh, if we do an abbreviated schedule just based on lack of talent. Right. Gerard says, I don't know what it is. Gerard says, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. Even if they allow fans, would you go? I think I'd wait a year. Honestly, I would go, you know, if, yeah. if they're allowing it I, and they, they put social distancing, you know, they're doing it. They're already starting to do that in Taiwan right now, right? Ta the Taiwan baseball league is actually allowing fans. They're putting space in between them. People are going to go out. Right. If it's there, people are going to want to go out and some people are going to be willing to do it. If, if the stuff's there and it's right, I'm willing to go. 
Like I, I'm willing to, to to take that that risk at that point, so to speak, because all, everything is showing everything's trending down. As long as we're putting social distancing in play, there there are things that you could do to make it work. Um, you know, even I hate to say it, Fred, you won't be happy with this comment, but maybe it's season ticket holders only. Maybe if you didn't have season tickets going into the year, you don't get to go. I hate I hate to say that it sucks, but at least yeah. allow the people that paid for it to be able to utilize it. Yeah. I mean, personally, for me, I'm tired of being bottled up. Right. So if they have if I have the option of going to the game, I'll go. You know, I might make sure I do some certain things to protect myself as best as I can. But I'm going to go. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to hang out with whoever wants to go with me. I'm not going to keep myself from doing those things. So I'm definitely going to go. <laughs> Sam said, did you guys see the Korean cardboard fans in the in the KBO league? That was pretty comical. Yeah. Uh, I guess you got to do whatever you got to do for the visual effect of it. I don't know, but uh, it was it was pretty interesting to say the least. Did you see that, Scott? I did see that. It was pretty it was pretty funny to see. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm just going I'm going through the chats and like looking uh, at different people say. So we had somebody ask about um, kind of getting back to football. Somebody asked about uh, Clowney. Uh, it was Christian Gonzalez asked about Clowney. Uh, you know, any news there? Any any ex- expectation? he's he's been turning down a lot of offers from what everybody is saying um i'm sure the orioles are probably shopping but you can't at this point if you're not going if you're not serious about doing it and you're not you know we're we're interested in doing it we're interested in getting a contract going with you but you're not responding in a good enough time or you're turning down everything we offer i'm not gonna waste my time anymore with you right yeah if you want to play football then then be serious about it don't like it's starting to get to the point with some of these players that they're just you're being way too greedy at this point. Yeah, I, I don't see the Geneva and Clowney thing happening here. It's just one, it doesn't fit into the budget. Um, we're still fi- finalizing the last couple contracts with our draft picks and whatnot. We're not going to have a ton of room under the cap. So the Ravens would have to make some space to be able to do that. Or Jadavion would have to suck his pride up and take a lot less money to come here only because he feels like the chance to win here uh, is, is greater than the money. He's going to get offered more money elsewhere. Is he going to get the $20 million a year that he should have never fucking turned down from Seattle that he originally had? Yeah, right. No, he's literally lucky to get 15 to $17 million uh, on that one year deal right now. Uh, and he just seems to be, to me, he just seems to be a me guy, seems to be a money guy. What I like his production, is he a game changer? Is he a, is he a game wrecker? I do think that. And it's not all about his sack production. Everybody wants to look at his sack production and think that, you know, that's all oh, that's, you know, he doesn't put up the, the double digit sacks like some of these guys do. I get that. But what he does in the run game, what he does, uh, he's just a, he's a game changer. And pressures he takes up two blockers at a time. Yeah, pressures is an underrated number. Yeah, it, it, it truly is. If you want to look at that, look at it. Look at the number of pressures that a guy has. And even that number isn't, isn't really an all honesty. It's not even recorded accurately. There is truly not a stat to to show how much pressure a guy puts on. That is one of the things that's still old school about football. And I like it. Yeah, is that that's an eye test. That's all it, you have to pass the eye test to be considered a true rusher, a true dominant rusher, because stats. Yeah, they're great, but they don't tell you how much you affect the game. So right. 
you got to at some point that'll come out and we'll figure it out. But it's I think you're you're spot on with that. It's not something that we can continue to do uh, now. He may like, listen, there could be some kind of crazy deal that happens where the, the Ravens end up trading off Matt Judon. They, they don't have to absorb that franchise tag. And then Clowney comes in and replaces Matt Judon. But at this point, I just don't see that happening. Matt Judon knows this defense. Martin, you know, Wink Martindale knows how to use Matt Judon to get him the best get the best out of him in a limited uh, off season that we're going to have bringing somebody in who has to learn the defense on the fly. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for this season. And again, we talk about it. The window is kind of small for the Ravens uh, to win because a lot of money is going to have to shift from the defensive side over to the offensive side, right? We've talked about it a million times as far as, uh, you know, the, 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 the number that Ronnie Stanley's going to demand, the number that Lamar Jackson's going to demand, right? There are contracts that are opening up on that defensive side, but that money is now going to have to translate over to the offensive side. And if this, fi- if this has a, a catastrophic financial impact, this whole coronavirus, on this season, if it does, it could impact what the salary cap is moving forward, which means the Ravens won't have as much room to be able to shift some of that money over. They won't have as much flexibility right. to sign some of these guys. So it's a trickle-down effect, and there's a lot of moving pieces right now. I just think the safer bet is for the Ravens to stick with what they have. Maybe they add another veteran pass rusher like a Clay Matthews or something on the cheap if they can afford him at the, you know, as we get closer to things. But I don't think a clowny move here happens at all. No. Uh, Garnett, Garnett says mashed potatoes or baked potatoes. I'm serious. <laughs> oh man. I think he's just talking about the difference, uh, between Joe. Fl- I think they were talking about the difference between Joe Flacco and, uh, Matt Ryan, uh, at that point. No, but- I'm pretty sure he's asking whether we want mashed potatoes or a baked potato. <laughs> Interesting. I'm a baked potato kind of guy, but I, I won't turn down mashed potatoes either. But I'm gonna go baked potato. I, I, I like pre- baked potato. I prefer I prefer baked potato. A good baked potato and a steak. It's a, right. it's a good day right there. Uh, <laughs> I think I saw Joe in here earlier asking if we were gonna have a chugging contest on air. Uh, yeah, I don't have beer. All I have is uh, honey whiskey right now. So unfortunately, if I'd have, if I'd have known that prior to the show, I would have done that. I definitely would have done that. We'll have to do that next week. We'll, we'll do so. Yeah. Another move that we haven't talked about. Nobody's brought up in the chat room yet, and I'm kind of surprised about it. The Ravens officially announced the signing of DJ Fluker, uh, the former right guard from Seattle. Uh, that fills a big hole on the offensive line. I think he's an immediate plug-and-play guy at right guard. I think the question is now with this signing, what happens with Ben Powers? What happens with Bradley Bozeman? Bradley obviously did pretty good at left guard, and he got better as the year went on at left guard. But – does this say that the Ravens don't have a whole lot of faith in Ben Powers? That's one That's one advocate that this could say. Or does that mean that maybe we're seeing some changes on this offensive line? Maybe we'll see Fluker at right guard. Maybe we'll see Bradley Bozeman yeah. slide over to center, his more natural position, and then Ben Powers or maybe Breedson, uh, the, the rookie out of, of Michigan, fight for that left guard spot. Uh, I don't know, man. My, there, there's a lot of ways the Ravens can go with this. I see where you're going with that. My only issue with that is we've seen issues with Bozeman at center before. We've seen some struggles, some missed snaps, and, and maybe it's because he hasn't gotten the snaps there. But I think Makari did a better job at center over what Bozeman has done What we when we've seen him. 
You and I saw Roseman hasn't had a lot of experience at the NFL level. But you and I correct. But you and I did see him at training camp, and we were seeing high snaps. We were seeing low snaps. We were seeing they were getting on him for his blocking coming off the ball. There's some things to 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 me. The last time I saw him at center, truly, and seeing him practice, you can't get it right in practice, dude. You ain't going to get it right in the game. Yeah. Especially when it comes to snapping the ball. I mean, we're sitting there, and he had, like, three high snaps and one low snap. I think it was RG3 that he was he was snapping to. RG3 was getting annoyed. Uh, Gerard brings exactly up what I was going to say. Iron sharpens, sharpens iron. Competition is great. Bozeman and Fluker compete, can, can compete out for it. That's exactly right, right? All this does is does good for the Ravens' offensive line, right? It, it, I was so happy with the the selections that we got in this year's draft, considering I was a guy who said I wanted to go offensive line early, right? Right. Well, we didn't go there. There were some other pieces that fell in our lap that we didn't expect to be there, uh, and I'm really happy with those picks. But some of the value that we got, Trey Phillips, uh, later in the rounds, and I think Ben Breedson, if he's not a starter year one, he can be a starter next year 100%. Uh, but from a depth perspective, you add those two pieces through the draft, you add DJ Fluker, who could come in and be an immediate starter. I'm not anywhere near as worried about this offensive line as I was just two weeks ago. Uh, so I'm excited for the competition. I do think Bradley Bozeman's a more natural center than he is a left guard. I agree with you. When we went to training camp, he didn't look great, but it was one training camp practice. You can't judge everything based on that, how long it had been since he played center, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think there could be competition for that. And this might speak to how healthy Matt Skura is, right? You brought you draft two guys, you bring in a, a, another free agent. How healthy is Matt Skura? It's a big question mark right now. Right, and it shows you that they're not there. The other thing that, that Steve brings up, and I think this factors into exactly what you're saying here, looking potentially a little bit more long term with the, especially the guys you get off the off the uh, the draft for the line. We need to sign Stanley long term now. I like it. The problem that you get when you're signing an, when you sign an offensive lineman to an extension or a long-term deal, most offensive linemen don't last that long, right? It's a high risk because you're in because you're in the. Well, I mean, you, we've said that, Fred. Four years is the average is the average for the offensive lineman. No, that's that's just the NFL average, the NFL career average. No, I thought I thought we talked about All, the lineman with that. Before. Offensive, well, yeah, but I mean. When you're talking a mega contract like this, you're talking about a franchise tackle, right? You're yeah. talking about a guy that you're expecting to have a long career like a Jonathan Ogden, right? A guy that had a 10 to 13-year career. That's what your hope is for Ronnie Stanley. Uh, and the longer you wait, all it's going to do is, is bump his price tag up, right? And you don't want him getting closer and closer to free agency that he's like, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to test free agency and just see what I can get on the open market because all that's going to do is drive his price tag up. There's the two single most important positions in football are the quarterback position and the guy protecting his blind side. And I will say that, and I will argue that with anybody. I could care less. Those are the two most important positions in football. Um, yeah, it's a lot of money, but I don't think that that's a debatable signing. I think that's a signing that just needs to happen. It's just a tough pill to swallow because when you start talking about Laramie Tunzel getting that 20 to $22 million range, yeah. man, <laughs> the Ravens, what are they going to do? 22 to 23 on, on, you know, Ronnie Stanley. It's going gonna... to be a lot. They're, they're going to have to backload that deal, put some signing bonus up, up front. Uh, so that way the cap has room to expand and absorb that contract over the years. 
But man, no, you you do everything that you can to get your le- your left tackle locked up ASAP. I agree. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we had somebody ask uh, about. I think it was actually Brian that started the conversation, and people have been chiming in on it. Um, so we've talked about this each week in the rundown section, right? We've been talking about the last dance. Yeah. So this week you had seven and eight come out. Um, seven to me was I liked it because it was that it's that whole year that he transitioned to baseball. You know, he's he's says he's done. He's retiring. His father is, is killed. Um, you know, a lot of people forget. A lot of people forget that his father was killed. And yeah. I saw some people going, oh, I, th- I didn't realize his father was killed. Yeah, his father was killed. It wasn't like right. his father just passed away of old age. His father was shot and killed and then thrown into a freaking river. Like, right. this is this is severe stuff. And if you don't, it was really interesting to go back because ma- it made me think about it. I remember when that happened, and I was still younger, I remember hearing the stories of his gambling problems. And, oh, this this is this is probably a result of gambling debt that he owes. You know, they went after. But if you think about it in the moment, the storyline was there, right? That's why it was that's why people gravitated towards it because the storyline was there. We knew he had a he he gambled a lot, right? It was yeah. publicly known that Michael Jordan gambled a lot. It also was interesting that his father was randomly shot and killed in this mafia style killing where he's killed and then thrown into the river and the car is is found elsewhere and it's destroyed and all this evidence is destroyed that's that's where it got people where people didn't stop was when they found out the two kids that were arrested at that point like stop the theories at that point it's it's out there but then it was the conspiracy theories oh these kids were hired and this Shut the hell up. It was a bad series of unfortunate circumstances. It led him to then go into baseball, which you learned in the documentary, if you didn't already know, him and his father had talked about it before it even happened. He was planning on this. And and I think a couple people were chiming in. I I agree with them 100%. Michael Jordan wasn't a crackhead. He wasn't like he couldn't pay his debts. The dude had more money than freaking Oprah Winfrey at the time, right? Like this dude could pay any debt off, especially any gambling debt. It had, it had nothing to do with that. It was people looking to draw conclusions and looking to bring somebody down who was so high up on a pedestal, right? He's just not one of the greatest right. basketball players of all time. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time, right? And and people can only handle that for so long, right? Unless they're they're in the 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 city that supports him. Everybody outside is always looking to tear everybody else down. It's like we talked about earlier with Kansas City fans always trying to look to tear Lamar Jackson down. Everybody always looks to poke holes in somebody else's story to make them look bad and their guy look good, right? That was that was the story of Michael Jordan's career. I will say would I have gambled as much as Michael Jordan did even if I had that money? No, but that's that's not to say that that's a bad thing for him doing that. That's what he enjoyed. He could afford to have that luxury. He knew his limits. He could afford to do those things, right? Yeah. But either in no way was he bad on his debt to somebody that the mafia came in and, and shot him. His father was traveling. His father pulled off on the side of the road and took a nap, and two 18-year-old kids came up and shot him and robbed him for his car. He was sitting in a Lexus. Yeah. Right. I mean, that that's the story. That's simply what happened. And all the theories that come along with that are just absolute garbage. But yeah. going back to the series, though. Yeah, I, I love the series, man. The, the Episode seven, episode eight were great. His baseball career. You know, again, when you look at uh, how great of an athlete he was for him to be able to hit 200 with basically 
a couple of months of training and a couple of months Skipping of getting up single A. <laughs> right. Like they didn't start him out in low A and work him up the triple or, you know, through the ranks. He had to start in double A because it was the only place that could house the media frenzy that he was going to get. Right. That's yeah. why he started at double A. And for him to be able to have the little bit of success that he had, he would he start his career off with like a 13 game hitting streak or something shit like that. Like, yeah, the dude's a crazy good athlete. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I know a lot of people had the another rumor that was out there was that, you know, the whole retirement thing was a spoof and that, you know, it was really the NBA getting ready to suspend the him, but they didn't want yeah, to suspend their, suspension. <laughs> right. They want to suspend their superstar players. So he bowed out gracefully. All that is complete BS. And even David Stern went on the documentary and he talked about it as well and said that it's, it's absolutely bogus, man. But yeah, at this point, if you haven't watched the series, man, you're, you're not, you're missing it. Yeah. And Joe, such a good series. Joe chimed in. He says, I'm learning a lot about him since I was kind of young when he, when this was going on, I respect his attitude and winning, but I do believe he was over the top. The Pippen and Rodman stories were awesome. Look, those stories, we talked about those, those were awesome stories. As far as him being over the top, it's that's that's what separates guys like him and I I, I hate to say it LeBron because I do think M, I it's that whole you know who's better type thing I personally think MJ was a better overall athlete which is why I liked him but LeBron is an athlete within himself he could have played football as a tight end um, but when it comes down to it that attitude and being able to shift into a gear and say if you ain't with me get out. Like, you know, you I'm not saying, you know, you're the shit, but you kind of do, you know, right. that you're playing at a high level. And he wasn't he was never expecting everybody to play at that at uh, as high a level of, of, as he was. But right. what really got to me and I thought was really good to see was the emotion came out when they were talking to him about other players thinking he was over the top and too much and he was mean and aggressive and. If you don't want to play this hard, hard nose style basketball, if you don't want to win with me, then get lost. I don't care. I you want to way, win. The way I, I take that and the way I look at Michael Jordan uh, as far as his work ethic and the way he holds other people accountable is similar that of a personal trainer, right? A personal trainer, you pay a personal trainer to come in there and bust your ass and hold your nose in the mud and get you, you know, amped up and get you working and putting in the work. Michael Jordan was the same way with his teammates. And, you know, when you've reached the pinnacle of your sport, when you've reached the NBA level, you have most most athletes will probably have that mindset of, you know, I've made it here on my own. I don't need anybody else, you know, pushing me to be better da, 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 in the moment. But if you listen to any of those interviews, to your point, after the fact, they all they all had nothing but respect for them. They wouldn't have they all admitted they wouldn't have had the success that they had had it not been for Jordan being so tough on them, had it not been him instilling the work ethic into them like he did. Like everything that his approach to the game, that's why I say he's the he's the greatest basketball player of all time, is because not just how talented he was as an individual, but how good he made everybody else around him well and i think it goes to, to speak too i know that some people are, are saying you know that that's the type of player he was and you know he couldn't do that to players now look yeah to an extent but that also goes to show why phil jackson is one of the greatest nba coaches of all time because he recognized michael's pushing these guys right and the whole yeah. story about steve kerr 
right? It started to get to be too much. He started calling ticky-tack fouls on him and winds up getting in a fight with Kerr, punches Kerr in the face. Kerr had pushed him in the chest or punched him in the chest, and he, he punches him in the face and gets kicked out. But he said, look, that was honestly probably the – both of the guys said that was honestly probably the best thing for their relationship. It's it absolutely two, was. It's two brothers that get into a fight, right, because right. they're both – passionate and that's where steve kerr kind of said it and you didn't hear michael really say it but he said that michael then had a respect for him because he said no you ain't gonna do that to me right he brought it out of him he said come at me bro and he came at him that's what he wanted because if you're not willing to come at your own teammate and tell your own teammate hey step it the hell up dude we're missing on you we're gonna fail because of you you're my weakest link you're our weakest link that's where if you can't handle that you ain't going to be able to handle somebody talking smack to you in the game. Right. You know, and that's that's the difference. That's what made MJ so great was because he literally, literally made everyone around him better. This is yeah. why I think the, the James argument is not even an argument in my personal opinion. Because James, when he's won, he was surrounded by people that were already, you know, good. With MJ, he got surrounded by those people, but he also made some of these other guys better. Paxton. Paxton was a good player. MJ made Paxton better. Yeah. Kerr. Kerr was a good player. Ja- he made MJ made Kerr better. Yeah. Like simple as that. Yeah, and listen, I know everybody's argument is, well, LeBron's the greatest player of all basketball player of all time, or MJ is the greatest basketball player of all time. And I can listen to arguments for both. And I'm not going to shit on somebody for saying that they think LeBron James is better, but I'm old enough to, to have been able to see both of them play. And I think both of them are phenomenal athletes, but I've always held Michael Jordan in another higher regard. And I said this last week, the NBA isn't what the NBA is today without Michael Jordan, right? We talked about this. Kobe Bryant might not have played basketball if it wasn't for LeBron James. Yeah. LeBron James might have played football because he was that talented at football and might not have followed basketball if it wasn't for Michael Jordan and if it wasn't for Kobe Bryant. So I agree. LeBron James, great athlete, great basketball player. I just hold Michael Jordan in that alpha alpha category, that one step ahead of them. Uh, but yeah. that's just my take on it. Yeah. I mean, I think too, you, you know, I see some people going back and forth and Josh was saying he thinks uh, that, that James there and look, and I get it. I think for a lot of people that maybe come from, from our, uh, generation are looking at it and saying the reason MJ is better is when did we ever see MJ flop? Right, flopping has become part of the game. So that's where some people on the on LeBron James and I get this defense. LeBron's playing smart. He's drawing the flat the foul, stopping the game, stopping momentum. He's being smart right. about it. The game was totally different back it, exactly. then. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's it, it's a hard comparison, and you know it's one of those comparisons that you you do across all sports. Uh, with you know some of the greatest of all time, and it's 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 hard to say. And that's you know? that's you the just... argument that's the argument on MJ too, because the, the NBA was more. You're seeing it in this documentary. And if yeah. you're not seeing it, you got to hone in because this documentary is showing the NBA was way more physical during this time period. Yeah, right during the the late '80s, or really up until about 2004, 2005, the NBA was a physical place. Guys, you know, the injuries, the ch- the bumps to the chest. Now, y- you get these flops. You get these, you know, oh, the guy hits, he swings. We've seen it, and I hate to say it, but you've seen it with LeBron, and that's why my argument goes against him. 
you see him swing, and he completely whiffs at him. But LeBron flops. I get it. He's trying to be smart. He's trying to draw the flowers, stop the clock, stop them from scoring. But that's what the knock is, is he's not playing physical basketball. But to that point, basketball is not a physical anymore. So, so I got to go back because uh, Ryan brought up a good point that I wanted to make sure that we touched on, too. So switching gears again, back to baseball. Again, this is an open forum discussion. We're going all over the place with this. <laughs> Ryan brought up a comment. He said, MLB having the players play in no state tax locations would be a big incentive to sign up to play. And I 100% agree with this, right? So the, 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 the notion is right now that players are being greedy because they want their full salaries even in an abbreviated season, right? Well, MLB is not going to do that. And I don't think that that'll ever happen. And the players are going to have to suck it up. So I think Brian brings up an interesting point, right? If your, your paycheck is paid based on the state that you're playing in, not the state that you signed the contract in, not in the state that you that right. you represent. It's based on the state that you played baseball in that week or that month. I forget how it works. Technically, it's 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 by it's by series. You're you're paid. Right. You pay that like so when you go up to New York, you got to pay New York taxes for those three games. Right. So if they pick a couple of locations that either have no state tax or very low state tax, that's an easy way for the players to make up a big portion of the money that they'd be missing. That's not being taxed at that point. Right. So there, there are ways to kind of get around this where the players make out decently. The owners don't have to pay any more than a prorated portion of their, of their salary. So that's a great point, Ryan. Uh, I wanted to see kind of what your thought was on that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think like, you know, one of the things that, that's there is the, from everything I've heard, one of the lightest is actually Canada, right? So one of the things I would actually even say is, Hell, you got the Rogers Center right there. It's attached to a freaking hotel. There you go. Right. There's there's an easy in, easy out access. It's a controlled environment. Like you could make that work. You could make it happen as a as a place and as a location to play. I think the exact, you know, th that's an exact idea, especially if you're not going to play with um you know, if you're not going to play with fans, you know, Prime example, Nick just says it. They can play. They can all play in Delaware. Delaware, they can play no in Delaware. They can play in Texas. They can play in Florida. They can play in all these states that have no yeah. state tax. Like, and you know, Texas is a great state to do it in. I mean, there's so many stadiums down there. It's a it's a warm weather state. It's a huge state. You know what I mean? Like, there there's plenty of opportunity down in Texas. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity in Arizona. I just don't know what the tax situation is in the state of arizona but i know that's one of the states that they were considering but i, I believe yeah. i believe the tax situation so part of the reason that they they hold the arizona fall league in arizona is so that a lot of those young guys can keep the money that they're getting from the arizona fall league uh because i believe the state tax there is low as well if i remember correctly and that makes sense i mean that's that makes sense why they do it in florida there's a lot of business why they do it in arizona all right and there's a lot of businesses in phoenix as well that's you know that's a business market because there's low taxes there uh you know low cost of living low taxes things like that so yeah i think that makes sense I, i'd like to see it um i think they need they really it would be nice to control it because then you keep all the players in a controlled area. Um, right. And in all reality, honestly, I I think you you pick one in the East Coast, one in the Midwest and one in the West and play all interdivision games play. There's no traveling to the West Coast. There's no traveling to all the East Coast teams over to Ohio. Everything, everybody plays down there. Right. you got enough stadiums down there that you could play. That you could do it, especially if you're going to do, you know, the spring training facilities, play them there. You can control those environments. You can play six, eight games at once. 
and you're in a low state and there's no there you're really minimizing travel players are that concerned about travel that's how you offset it you offset it by saying hey okay we're not going to make you travel across country you travel right. one time down to here everything else is we will have our own buses each team will have its own specific bus or two that is cleaned by our staff you know all this stuff done maybe it's two yeah, buses there's ways to, to make it happen. you could make this work and Absolutely. do it in a, in a three-state format and i think that's the way that you go but speaking speaking of getting paid did you hear the news zion got paid while he was at duke <gasps> no way <laughs> color me shocked well, let's be real. It was, his, it was his mother and father, okay, who demanded and received benefits, uh, money, and other benefits from persons acting on behalf of Adidas and Nike and also people from association with Duke to influence him to sign with the Blue Devils and to wear Nike and Adidas He, he was all but signed with, with Clemson until that bag showed up. He had basically turned down, I, th I think the rumor is he turned down like 100K from Kansas, apparently. Right. But he had all but committed and was ready to go to Clemson until Santa Moneybags came and left a big bag of cash on mommy and daddy's house. Santa Shashevsky. Yeah. Like it's, right. it, look, you, this is one hey, of the Ryan, things. Ryan, earmuffs so you don't hear about college players getting paid. Earmuffs, Ryan. I know, right? <laughs> um, this is one of those things that. The, the Blue Devils and the association with Duke, yes, wrong. NCAA, if that's how you're going to approach it, do it. If Nike and Adidas want to go put their all chips all in on an 18-year-old kid and say, wear our shoes, we'll make them whatever color you want, I don't care. Yeah. You're making a business decision. Right. I don't care. I believe that NCAA players – NCAA athletes should be allowed to be sponsored and do it. Make them take a class if you want to do it. Say, you know what? You, you can't do it your freshman year. You can do it your sophomore year. You want to keep them in a little bit longer? There's how you do it. There's money incentive to stay in school longer, right? Yeah. So I, I really think that that is just being blown. The Nike Adidas thing is being blown out of proportion. If it was specifically, we will only give you money if you go to Duke, Okay. But I'm pretty sure Nike and Adidas were going for him with Clemson. Mm, I'm Kansas. pretty sure there were Duke ties to it. Mm -mm. I'm pretty uh, sure yeah, there were Duke ties. There was ties probably to a it. Duke tie at the end. They found a way to tie it in and go, okay, we'll give you a little bit more because of this. But they were you they had to be going after him already. Like it's Nike paid Duke, Duke paid Zion. Is that how you think it went? That's how I think it went. <laughs> James even said the same thing. I think, That's not anyway. Listen, I think Duke made Nike and Nike got signed. <laughs> you'd be naive to think that these athletes don't get paid or compensated in some sort of way. I mean, it happens all over college, uh, all over college sports, especially college football and college basketball. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, there, a lot of these guys like, like uh, Sam is saying they're, they're, they're choosing the G league. Now, this is a way to keep them away from choosing the G League, right? right? Going to college and 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 college basketball still having the the same competitive nature that it's always had and and the rivalry still being a part of it and not college basketball missing out on the top talent uh that comes across. So yeah. That was a news story that I thought was interesting. But speaking of uh let's we'll stay with the college team, right? So the Terps, a lot of you guys aren't big Terps fans, but I'm going to go through a couple things right now because there have been some some stories 
coming away from the basketball squad, which has been very, very quiet for quite some time. Uh, they got their first 2021 commitment, uh, four-star Julian Reese, 6'9", power forward. He was the number five player in the state. Uh, and I think he was like the number 21 in the country, yeah. something like that, or 27 in the country. Um, he's actually the brother uh, on Maryland's women's team uh, of Angel Reese. She's the number two, uh, two overall player in this year's coming class, the 2020 class. So they did get a commitment for 2021. Uh, and they finally got some depth uh, as a big man on a grad transfer from Alabama, Galen Smith, 6'9", 245 pound power forward slash center. Hadn't done, hadn't really gotten a whole lot of opportunity out in, out in Alabama. He only averaged three points at two and a half boards. I think he played like 10 to 12 minutes a game, somewhere in that nature. Terrible free throw shooter. But what I do like about this guy, got a ton of energy. Um, see, you know, he, 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 this guy runs up and down the court. He's very strong. Uh, I think he could vie for a starting role over Chol just because I'm not sold on Chol yet. And I right. think this whole coronavirus stuff has stunt his growth and his development uh, because they're not able to work together like they should as a team right now. Uh, and I just don't have the highest expectations of Chol. So I think that he could compete for a starting role. And I think if he can get into a starting role and be, he doesn't have to be a dominant force as far as offensive production, but if he can get in there and be a workhorse, right? Keep guys off the glass, right. be a rebounder, uh, be a guy that can get some block shots, that kind of thing. I think he can have a big role in this team. Yeah, I think, it, I think he definitely could. Um, and that's, Look, you said you don't have any high hopes for him. I really don't high, have high hopes for his health as far as I'm concerned. It's one of those things that I'm just – I'm done with him if he if he goes out and down, you know, with another injury, especially if it's another leg injury because it's just going right. to pile on top of each other. And at that point, this this kid's not going to be able to be, be a dominant boards guy. He's not going to be able to be, you know, uh, an NBA-type player, an NBA, you know, caliber talent if he can't do those things. So – I'm honestly, if he if he gets injured again off season or early in the season, if we have a season, whatever it may be, if he gets hurt, I'm done with him. I'll wipe my hands clean with him. And I think this is the way to go. You go get another guy that can can really help the team out. Yeah. So Dave, appreciate it, man. Dave, our, our counterpart over at Big Play chimes in, says, "Looking great, boys. Appreciate that." So this is a good time for you, Scott. So yeah, to tell him what this week's brew of the week is. I think he so might know. This week's brew of the week actually comes from the Cleveland area, from Great Lakes Brewing Company. It is their hazy Indiana India Pale Ale. Uh, it's literally just their limited IP hazy IPA. Uh, has no real name other than hazy. Uh, but it's actually for an IPA, it's not bad. Um, you know, oh, it's not it's, shitty like the Browns. It, it, yeah, I mean, well, it's close. It's it's close there. I mean, you, you <laughs> Sorry, got Dave. Got to take my shots when I can. Bad football team, bad beer. Uh, no, it's not a bad. It's not a bad beer. Uh, make sure you go over to the liquor stop. Let let Jerry know that uh, we sent you over. You get your ten percent off. I've I've got the the uh, the good old screwball sitting yeah. right here, ready to go. They still are always always having to fill and, it up. And for those of you that are locally that know about this whole beer and wine fairy thing that's going on, if you guys oh, yeah. are a part of that and you're doing that and you're getting out and you're spreading the love to all the neighbors and everything in the Baltimore or Hartford County area, they're still giving you a little extra bump. If you tell them that Birdland BS sent you for those orders, you can't go in there and buy one bottle and expect to get that kind of a deal. But if you're going in there and you're buying stock to be able to do this beer fairy or wine fairy thing, 
again, tell them that Birdland BS sent you. You get a little extra off, man. So uh, appreciate Jerry and the and the team over there at Liquor Stop doing that for us and our followers for sure. Dave just commented and, and said Baker greater than Lamar. Oh, get out of here, Dave! Get the hell out! In of what here. world? In what world? What 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 were they chanting for Baker Jesus. last year? What were they chanting for him? Oh, that's yeah. right, nothing, nothing. They were. They I'll were. tell you what, though. I mean, listen, the the weapons that he's got around him out there in Cleveland yeah. right now. If he doesn't succeed this year, they're going to riot in Cleveland. They're absolutely <laughs> going to riot. Right? They got rid of Hank Hill as their coach. Right. Yeah. They bring in this this new exciting coach in it from Minnesota that should have been the answer last year. They they bring in, you know, the the prize tight end of the of the free agency. Uh, you know, you you're hoping to get more production. You better get more production out of Odell Beckham after you made that trade last year, right? Jarvis Landry, I still think he's one of the better wide receivers in the league, got great hands. Yeah. Uh, so they've got weapons. And and I told him, and I said we said this on the air with with Dave. I think Nick Chubb's got MVP type caliber in him for him to put up the yardage that he put up last year behind that god-awful offensive line that they have yeah they they drafted a couple offensive line pieces they brought in some free agents this year they've got good bookend tackles now there's no excuse for this offense to not be successful and for them to be and not be a playoff team this year so baker doesn't put up the numbers this year boy it's going to be an ugly scene in we're, we're going to have to have dave on for week one uh, you know, when we when we face the Browns, uh, but one of the things that, that was interesting, he just commented, he said, Case Keenum season. And right before that, Steve says, I do have a prediction. We'll play Case Keenum led team at least once. I did see that, Sam. I did see you put that out there. I, I wouldn't doubt that one bit. <laughs> oh, Would man. not doubt that one bit. Uh, Nick says the clowns are still the clowns. Yeah, that's about that's about right. <laughs> um, so so going back to the Terps real quick yeah. again, we're jumping all over the board. Uh, we talked a little bit about the basketball team. They got their two commits, uh, one being a transfer and one being for 2021. On the football side of things, staying with Alabama, right? So we robbed one of their transfers on the basketball squad today. Well, another piece from Alabama, but this time on the football squad, interesting enough, has answers to, en entered to the transfer portal and become available. Two a two. <laughs> two a Tugalavola, or however you say his last name. His brother is now entered the transfer portal. Uh, and actually has the Terps right now. All the, the pundits have him with the Terps as his number two option right behind Miami. Uh obviously Locks has his ties to to his brother. Uh, you know, from just recruiting days and from right. his days in Alabama and all that stuff. And he locks obviously seems to have a pretty good relationship with Tui. He had him on his, uh, his, his show the other day. And, you know, they seem to have a good relationship there. So that could play a big part in whether, you know, he comes here or not, but Miami, his brother just got drafted by the dolphins. His family lives in Florida. There's a lot of reasons that he could go to, to the university of Miami too. Uh, who is right now projected the the favorite to land him? Well, they're also uh, they're also struggling for a quarterback as well. They didn't have the greatest season in the world last year either with the Hurricanes, who's normally a, you know they're normally a, a strong suit and they did not have a strong season last year. So no, they're looking. They for haven't something been good for around. a while either. And and what, yeah, that's, a, that's a pride franch a proud franchise. Yeah, man. they're a proud university, right? Like they 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 pound their chest about how good they were in the '80s and the '90s and all that stuff. They haven't been very good for a while. So yeah. You know, I, I don't know much about his brother. 
as far as production wise. Like I, I don't think he's anywhere near on the level uh, that Tua is, but right now with the options that we have at quarterback, if we're not going to land the likes of like a Caleb Williams, I'm all for bringing Tua in. Right. Tua two. Yeah, I, I, I think he, he could really, you know, James just said it. I think he could really go to Miami there. I think it makes sense, you know, for them. It's a homegrown guy, you know, homegrown, so to speak, right? His family's all right there. What's better than, to, you know, he can basically live at home. He doesn't have to live in the dorms necessarily if he doesn't want to. They can, you know, he can go back and forth and things like that. He can stay happy. Maybe he was too close to home at Alabama. Maybe he was, his parents were coming up, coming up too often. And he's going, right. you know what? I want to get further away from my family and my damn brother. I'm going up there. I'm going to be my own thing in the Northeast and let him be, or, you know, the mid-Atlantic Northeast, let him deal with everything down there in the South because he's going to overshadow me again. Right. Who knows? I'm not saying that's the conversation that's being had, but it's certainly something that would probably be running through somebody's mind. Does he want to stay in his brother's shadow? Obviously, if he's leaving Alabama, probably doesn't want to stay in his brother's shadow, probably wants to go elsewhere. Does he he want to stay in his brother's shadow in Miami or not? I would be happy to get him here. Um, you know, I, I don't have like some people have low expectations for Lance Lejean as a passer, just because they didn't really ask him to throw the ball and the little bit of opportunity that he came in last year, that he basically just ran the option and kind of ran the ball. Right. What I saw in the series, the docu series QB one or whatever it was called that he was on, he can make some throws. Right. Yeah. And now we're oh, talking yeah. two years removed from that. Uh, like, he should have developed. He should have gained strength. He should have gotten better, you know, bigger in size and all that. So I, I have high expectations for Lance Lejean. I think we have a good quarterback already, but you're only as good as your backup quarterback too, right? Cause you're only one play away. And Lord knows at the Shit, university Lord. of Maryland, we've seen quarterbacks drop like flies at times. Uh, so you got to have at least two really good quarterbacks in the stable at of all times. Uh, and I'd love to see them land his brother. I think that'd be a big get for this this university. It definitely sure. it definitely could be a big get. Um, all right, so jumping around for a second because I want to I want to kind of get your take on this. Yeah, have you seen the video of Mike Tyson? Oh my God, yeah. But let me rephrase that. Have you seen the videos? Not just one. Yeah, yeah. Dude, Dude I, come you know, back for all and... those people that'd be like, oh, you know, for a million dollars, I'd get in the ring with Mike Tyson. They no, wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, you, you wouldn't. wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't live to see that Dead. million dollars. Dead. You'd be absolutely. <laughs> That video was absolutely crazy Do for him th- to be in that kind of shape and have that kind of quickness and still have that kind of power at fi- what is he fifty three now? Yeah, he's fifty three. I think was it George Foreman? I think I think he won the title. Or he last fought like at like forty five. Yeah, George was George is the oldest title holder, I believe, in in boxing. Yeah, and he was like, but he was like forty five. Mike yeah. Tyson's eight years older than that at fifty three. So I don't know if this whole thing has any legs, if he's actually going to be coming back and actually fighting. I don't know if it's going to be like a charity thing. Mike Tyson could be broke and he's just looking for a payday and he will get paid. <laughs> I, I guarantee we all know how like pay-per-view works, right? And how all these events work. And we, you know, we're suckers for these 10 second matches that get knocked out and the, the game's over and we just, or the fight's over and we just spent 60 bucks on it. Right. It happens all the time. If Mike Tyson were to come back, it'd be one of the biggest paydays I think in pay-per-view history. Tyson versus Josh Jones. The guy Josh from, Jones. The, he's the guy from uh I think it's I think it's his name. Guy from I think he's out, out of England, out of the UK. The guy that came over here and fought um I don't know enough about uh, boxing anymore one. apparently. I'm thinking think Wilder. Like cuz he's in the heavyweight division. 
I don't know what this Josh uh, Dante, Jones is. Well, Don, Josh Jones, yeah. So Josh Jones is the is the one out of the UK, but Dante Wilder wouldn't be a bad fight either. Ryan um, says he'd take Mayweather in two rounds. Oh Mayweather isn't heavyweight. He'll never no, fight Mayweather. No, he wouldn't because Mayweather would run from him for five rounds. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mayweather ain't getting in a ring with him. You uh, need a big boy. I think it'd be Dante Wilder that would be the fight. But. Steve, Steve has a good a good comment. Tyson has a, a gear normal people don't. He really does. He does. But how long How long can that gear last, right? Like, he has the strength. He has the quickness. He has the power. The thing is, at 53 years old, he, there's no way in hell. I don't care how good a shape he is. He's going 12 rounds with a legit heavyweight fighter. He's going to have to knock whoever it is out in those first two or three rounds. Oh, with the speed and I still don't put that guy? past him. I, I definitely think Tyson could do that, even at 53. Tyson's also a technical fighter, right? Let's not forget that. Tyson, yes, did he, did he play dirty? Yes, but he, the way he could throw punches, the way he could read guys— that's why Tyson is one of the greatest fighters of all time because he's able to do that. He's able to, to be quick about it, and you're seeing that with those videos. I don't know many big men that can move that freaking fast. Steve's said, oh, Tyson, I want him to fight A.B. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, hey. A.B. isn't that desperate for money. Let me tell you, he is hey, not. Wait a second. Wait a second. I like this idea. He might not actually literally knock some sense into AB. Like AB may come is... back with, hey, I had a bunch of concussions. I am sorry. I appreciate all that you do for everything. <laughs> like he might come back at a completely 180. AB is crazier than shit, but he is not that crazy. No, uh, he is not crazy enough to step in the ring <laughs> with Mike Tyson and think he can dance. There ain't no way. No if, way. If, you th if, you, if there was enough money online, you think he'd do it? No, no. I, I like I said. Like I think James said, he's like I'd take ten million dollars to be brain dead and fight Mike Tyson. That's the risk that you're taking, right? It's just getting in there and and getting hit with one of these shots and literally being brain dead for the rest of your life. No, no, not doing it. Yeah, no. <laughs> you literally. And if have you scroll those videos, if you haven't yet, man, go go look at it. Go Google it, or it, I think it's on Twitter. Ugh. yeah. Unreal how much power he's got. Well, speaking of fighting. Did you see Tony Ferguson this past weekend after his UFC uh, 249 fight? I did. I did. He got he, he had a broken orbital bone. Like, this shit was smashed. Like, <laughs> done. His eye was done during that fight. And it was a bad loss for him. He got his ass kicked. Yeah, bro. Like, I, I had said this on Twitter. Gaithy or Gaithy, however you pronounce his name, Justin, that yeah. was one of the best technical fights I've ever seen. Like, this dude has just a strong left hook as he has a right hook, so he can come at you from yeah. both sides. His accuracy, you know, with his punches, like, he wasn't just throwing punches and wasting energy and everything. Pretty much everything that he was throwing was landing. He was throwing but connecting gotta, haymakers. What's that? He was throwing connecting haymakers. Yeah, absolutely. But you got to give respect to Ferguson because I don't know what his jaw is made of, but... For him to be able to take the punches that he was taking for as long as he did, and then when the ref stops the fight with like I think there was like a minute and thirty seconds left in the fight, yeah, there was like nothing left, and he was still he was, he was pissed off. He's like, I told him unless I'm kill me. out, unless I'm unresponsive, don't stop the fight. Yeah, unreal, uh, yeah. unreal, man. It was it was a great fight. I, I I was so entertained with the fact I'm like, how long can this guy go? How how many punches can this guy take? You know, I, like I said earlier, I've paid 
for some crappy UFC fights, you know, some, some fights that had all this hype and all this expectation and they're over in 30 seconds. Right. And I'm all disappointed because I spent all this money. Ryan knows that firsthand. He came over for the Connor fight that we did that with. Yeah. This fight was worth every penny, man. It was one of the best fights I've ever watched. It was great. Yeah. No, like it's, it's one of those, it's one of those that you look after the fact and you've been like, I wish I could have been able to pay to be there. Because that would have been the fight to be there for. Right. We've seen some UFC fights go the other way and guys get, you know, we've seen UFC fights where we've seen out of six fights on the card, four of them are knockouts in the first round. It's like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? Like, <laughs> right. What am I going to watch now? Like, that's the thing is it's such a flip of the coin, but that's what's so real about UFC is the action is so fast paced and so it's so high entertainment most of the time. Even the fast fights are good knockouts. Right. And that's that's what makes UFC so entertaining, and they, they're going to continue to do it, and they've been knocking it out of the park. So, uh, sure. James says, did you hear about Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 coming back out on game systems? I am so excited for that. I mean, I played it, but that wasn't one of the games that I played a lot, Tony Hawk. And, I, and, and the theme I know a lot of people love that game. I think it's one of the most, like, grossing games ever yeah. or whatever, but. Just never played it that often. Yeah, you know, remember you know, a game I did play that was kind of similar to that was prior to that. Prior to that's how old I am. It's prior to Tony Hawk was Skater Die. Do you remember Skater Die? Yes, I do. I Back do. in the, the Nintendo days, that was great. Regular Nintendo days. And yes, that was like the, the only yes, skating buddy. game I ever got into. Dude, I you know where we sit in here. There's a closet right there. There is an NES system in that closet. I know yeah. Brian. Brian has a Brian, whole, I'm sure, has it. He's got a whole nice setup. He has almost every game system known to man, including, I believe he has Atari. I believe he has Dreamcast. Wow. That's a throwback, right? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, so we got to get over there and have, like, a game night with him, like, going to all nostalgia on. on That'd be everything. fun. Well, maybe, maybe we'll have to figure out and, like, live stream it. We'll have some yeah. tournaments or something. Live Whatever. stream. That'd be fun. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, no, so good stuff. So, all right, guys. Well, we yeah. appreciate you guys uh, tuning in this week. Yeah. If I can get sign my... us out here with the uh, outro. I was going to say, I, I haven't touched any buttons all night. I'm like, uh, what do I do now? A little bit of a different <laughs> show, but listen, we do appreciate all the comments, man. We tried to work as many as we possibly can in. We're going to do this, I think, uh, every so often because I know – so many of you guys like to to be a part of the show and there are just so many nights where we just can't pull all the comments in because we got so much that we want to cover uh, i thought this would be a good format for us to be able to do it tonight it worked really good i think next time we'll even work in some live calls uh, might even let you guys do some video if you want you know we, we can figure out a way to make that work but uh appreciate you tuning in this was a lot of fun yeah appreciate you guys tuning in as always make sure you go check us out on our website www.burlandbs.com get your episodes learn about each of us Burland bs gear uh talk about it with fred after the show i have a way for us to get birdland bs masks i am so excited nice we're gonna try and get them out to you guys uh bigplay.com big play twitter page download the big play app also on birdlandsports.com Make sure you follow us on all of our social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. Go check us out. Uh, I'm going to try and talk Fred after the show into a TikTok and having fun with this because I think we can have some fun with TikTok. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> I think sure. I'm too old for TikTok. I can just <laughs> scroll it. For us, our version of TikTok was Vine, if you remember that. 
Like that was <laughs> it, right? Uh, <laughs> make sure you follow us at Birdland BS. How you find us on everything at Fred BLBS, at Scott BLBS, at Bartender underscore Blake. Make sure you, you also check out the audio version of the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you may listen. Go check it out. We're there. Download, subscribe. Leave a review, too. Tell us what you think of the show on there. We appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in, as always, guys. We'll be back next week, hopefully with our normal show. As long as there's some actual sports news going on, we'll get it figured out for you guys. But we appreciate you guys tuning in. See you next week, Tuesday, 730 Eastern Standard Time for Fred. Brian, who's out there in the chat room, and myself. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys.